Okay, here we go. Is, we're going to look this morning, is, is heaven real and am I going? Well, yes, heaven is real and you're going. Before we get too far into this, uh, uh, I want to give you some things that uh, right off the bat here that are just so common. Uh, you know, we're thinking about uh, that because uh, there's so much information today about uh, evolution and whatever and, and a lot of people just feel like we just laugh at the Bible because the Bible, of course, it's 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 just just people wrote this and it's not true. Well, thanks, it really is true. Uh, but anyway, look over here in uh, oh, in Matthew chapter six. We'll start here. He says, "Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father." Notice this, which is in heaven. Okay. So where is God? Well, it says He's in heaven here. Oh. Uh, uh, let's go down here to another one. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Look at verse. Uh, look at verse nine. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art what in heaven. So I mean, there is a heaven. Praise the Lord. You know. And uh, we you know, we've got other scriptures we talk about where God says heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. And when He was talking to David, because David wanted to build him a tabernacle. And ultimately, I mean, a temple. And ultimately, his son Solomon built it. But God was even telling them there, what kind of home will you build for me? Okay. But heaven is a real place here. Let's go to uh, John's Gospel and uh, look over here at, uh, at verse, uh, at chapter 3. You know, another thing you want to understand from the Bible, because uh, uh, today we hear so many voices, uh, a lot of people are saying, you're not going, and so we can grow up in our lives, and even no matter how old you are, you can start to have an attitude in your own thinking, I'm not going to make it. I'm not even going to get to heaven. And you can let that ruin your life. You say, well, I'm not, I guess I'm going to be good till my last breath, and I've noticed, I've known people that were that were atheists, and they just say all you have in this life is just what you have right here, and when you draw your last breath, that's it. So the only enjoyment you have here is right now. Well, you know, the Bible, actually, during the time of Jesus, there was a group called the Sadducees. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They believed the same way. And these were Jewish people. You had Pharisees that said, oh, yeah, we're going to, there's an afterlife. And then you had, and, and what's so funny, the high priest at the time that Jesus was crucified, the high priest was one of those Sadducees. Incredible. Which do not believe in a resurrection. They do not even believe in angels. Okay. So today when people say, well, when you draw your last breath and that's it, and there's nothing left, you're just dead, you're just dead, gone, whatever. That, that has always been around. People talking and thinking of such things. But anyway, of course, we know there's a heaven. Because we hear from these scriptures like this and we, we just need to know these things. But now, in John chapter 3, look over here at, uh, let's start here at verse 1. Uh, there was a man of the Pharisees uh, named Nicodemus. Uh, the same came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher. Come from God. Okay, I wanna, I'm going to scroll down here. And let's see something that Jesus says here. He's talking with this fellow, and Jesus answered and said, Are you a master of Israel and know not these things? Verily I say, verily I say unto thee, we speak that which we know and testify what we've seen, and you receive not our witness. 
uh, verse 12, if I have told you, look at this, earthly things and you believe me not, how shall, be, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Wow. Hmm. Then look at verse 13. No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Wow. See, sometimes we get to scratch in our head and we get to thinking, well, you know, Jesus, he was just born. And sometimes some people go so far as to think, well, you know, he was just a man. No, he wasn't either. He wasn't just a man. He was God that came in the flesh. I know it seems hard to grab sometimes, but these are the things that we believe. But notice this. The scripture says, no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Now, we're reading John 3, 13, and if you go to 14, and if you go to 15, what do we find? We find 16, and John 3, 16 is, For God so loved the world that he gave. Now, where did he give him? From heaven. He gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, look at this, everlasting life. And Jesus was making reference to what? If I tell you things, heavenly things and you believe not see there is if i have told you earthly things and you believe not how shall you believe if i tell you heavenly things now what bothers me is to think about jesus and he talks about heavenly things like he's dangling candy in front of a child and very uh cruelly says, don't talk to me about heaven if there's no chance that bob or Mel or phil or even Richard here can't go. I mean, we just, we just, I don't even want to talk about it. But saints, we don't need to worry about this. We're going to make it just fine. All these things have been put in place for us. Oh, there's another verse right here, this third chapter I want to look at. And let's see where that is. I marked it down here. Yeah, verse 31. Okay, let's see what we got. 31. He that comes from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthy and speaks of the earth. He that comes from heaven is above all. So again, Jesus keeps saying, I've come from heaven. Well, I'll tell you what, it's like one guy wrote uh, uh, a book and put together a lot of things, evidences, which are wonderful reading information. But he was called Lord, Liar, or Lunatic. I mean, think about it. Jesus making all these crazy claims. But he is either Lord, or he's the biggest liar, or he is a lunatic. He is completely off the farm. But you know what? He's not off the farm. He really is who he says he is, and he really did come down from heaven. Let's go to Ephesians next. Oh. Oh. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 1, and look over here at verse 1. Again, we're looking at, is, 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 is heaven real? And am I going? And, of course, the answer is yes. I mean, we're going. <clears throat> it, it would be foolish for us to even have the Bible if it was just a book about, ha-ha, you're not going. And I get so tickled if you will go back and read the story about Naaman. Remember, Naaman was a Syrian. He had leprosy. He was not a Jew, Okay. Anyway, he was told to go dip in the Jordan seven times, and his flesh came back. He was so happy that he was healed. Listen to this. Now, remember, he's not a Jew, okay? 
And he was from another nation where they worshipped idols. But you're going to see Naaman in heaven. Listen to what else happens. Naaman goes back to Elisha. He's so excited he's healed. Wouldn't you be if your skin was rotting off? I mean, you're, like, you're a handsome man now. And you work for, you're the general to the king in Syria. But you're not a Jew. You're not Moses. You're not... You're just... You're, you're a Gentile. I mean, what hope does he have? But it's a wonderful story. Listen to what he tells Elisha. He's so excited. He says, listen... Thank you for healing me, whatever. And he says, but please forgive me of this one thing. He says, when I go back, I have to go meet with the king. And he requires that I go to his church service. And of course, they worship devils. And he says, i got to go into the temple of Dagon. And he says, and just forgive me for having to be there because I know there is only one God. There's one God. And it's the God of, the Israel, of Israel. And you know what Elisha says? Elisha didn't say, well, you know, you can forget it because if you don't quit going to that devil church and whatever and what, you're just going to burn in hell or whatever. No, you know what Elisha told him? He said, it's well, it's good. See, because he, Naaman learned who the God of the earth was. He knew that's what mattered. And, and Naaman knew who to trust. He did. So anyway, looking back at heaven, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 here, look down at verse 3. This is basically, hello, how you doing? Uh, I'm writing you a letter. Then he starts getting to some punchlines. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, that means he has, blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Notice where? In the heavenly places. So heaven must be real here, because we're blessed with all these blessings in heavenly places. Let's go to Mark chapter 16 here. Another place here, making reference to uh, um, heaven. I mean, these things get to us, and we're like, okay, wow. When Jesus was here on earth after the resurrection, um, of course, eventually everybody said goodbye to him. What happened? Look at verse 19. Now, this is the la these are the last two verses of, of, of Mark's gospel. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, look at this. He was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Well, i got to deal with that because that's the scripture. And, of course, that's part of what we know about Jesus, the history of Jesus. He lived. He was here. He preached for three and a half years. He died on the cross. He was resurrected. He was seen for about six weeks, something like that, and all of a sudden... The disciples were around him. You see the same story in the book of Acts. And they're watching him ascend up into heaven. There's other people we find. Elijah in the Bible, uh, the chariot of God, came and got him. And he just woo, he went up somewhere into what we call heaven. Uh, the 15th chapter of, of, John, excuse me, of, um, of Mark, let's see what we got right here. Oh, down to verse 62. Let's see. Well, let's see. Oh. Am I in Mark still? Mark. Oh, I was in Mark 15. There we go. 62. I knew something was wrong. Oh, look what happened here. I'm looking what happened here, too, if I could just find it. There's not 62. Hmm. Let me look real quick and I'll see what I need right here. One second. Uh, 
งพื้นหมายถึงตรงนั้นคือดูแบบเที่ยวสิโอเคWell, I know what I'm looking for anyway. Let's let's look at uh, oh, okay. Well, I want Luke. Excuse me. What do you say, Luke? Anyway, in Luke's gospel, there was um, two thieves that were crucified with Jesus. On his uh, on his left and on his right, remember that. Oh, 23. Here, let's see what we got. And let's go down here to uh, verse 43. I should have that. Here we go. Uh, mm-hmm. You click these things and just jump around. One second. Here we go. Okay, there we are. Oh, uh, let's see. Yes, here we go. Okay, um, verse thirty-six, uh, thirty-seven, thirty-eight. Here it is. Hang on one second. There we go. Okay. Anyway, he was crucified with uh, two other soldiers on the left and on the right. Verse thirty-nine. And one of the malefactors, which was hanged, railed on him. Saying, "If you be the Christ, save thyself and us." But the other answering rebuked him and said, "Dost dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And indeed, we justly uh, we received our due uh, our reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss." Let me switch this to the Living Bible just a moment. We're in verse forty-one. One second. Oh, verse forty-one. Here we go. He says, "We deserve to die for our deeds, but this man hasn't done anything wrong." Then he said to Jesus, "Now watch what he says. He says, 'Remember me when you come in your kingdom.' Now notice what Jesus said. Jesus replied and said, 'Today you will be with me in paradise.' No, wait a minute. I don't know anything about this. First off, this guy's been—he's been—he's a criminal. He did something wrong. You don't take criminals to heaven. Wait a minute." The Bible says that He justifies the ungodly. That's the whole plan of redemption. We have all blown. We have got this thing so figured out that my sins are not as bad as somebody else's. But then again, we start thinking about ourselves and we go, "Well, I don't even think I'm going to make it because I've made some mistakes." Saints, the blood of Jesus cleanses us. It takes care of all of us. He justifies the ungodly, and He tells this guy who deserves to die. He says. Today you will be with me in paradise. Wow. Let's go to. Uh, uh, I'm going to stay in the Living Bible here, but let's go to one of our our most famous places when you talk about heaven. Watch this. Revelation chapter four here. Uh, let me close this down. Here we go. And then I looked and I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I had heard before, which sounded like a mighty trumpet blast, spoke to me and said, "Come up here, and I'll show you 
what must happen in the future. And instantly I was in the spirit there in heaven and saw all the glory of it, a throne and someone sitting on it. Well, these things are just fake as could be if they're not real. No, they're not fake at all. Verse 3, great outburst of light flashed forth from him as from a glittering diamond uh, or a shining ruby and a rainbow glowing like an emerald encircling his throne. See, we've heard all these things. And in verse 4, the four and twenty elders, or shall we say 24 smaller thrones, surrounded his with 24 elders sitting on them. All were clothed in white with golden crowns upon their heads. Oh, those were the 24 fellows since the beginning of time that never sinned. No, they're not. Half of them, we know, are represented of the 12 disciples. Eleven of them, well, actually all twelve of them denied the Lord before he, the, the, the night he was crucified. Oh, I don't know, Jesus. Oh, I don't know him. We've all made mistakes. How come we're up there in heaven? Why is this story like this? Anyway, verse 5. Lightnings and thunders issued forth from the throne, and there were voices in the thunder directly oh, oh, in front of his throne were seven lighted lamps represented by the uh, sevenfold Spirit of God. Spread out before him was a shining crystal sea. Four living beings dotted front and back with eyes stood at the throne's four sides. The first of these living beings was in the form of a lion, the second like an ox, the third the face of a man, the fourth the form of an angel, and wings spread out as though in flight. It goes into great description here about some other things, but the important thing you want to see here is this is heaven. Wow. Look down here in verse 9. And when the living beings gave glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne who lives forever and ever, the, four, the, four, the 24 elders fell down before him and worshipped the eternal living one. And they cast their throne, their crowns before him, saying, O Lord, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. So here's where we get the reference that we're casting all our crowns before him. Where is that? It's in heaven. It's in heaven. I wonder if I'll be there. <laughs> you know, if you ever read Revelation chapter 4, you would get it. You would say, you know, wait a minute. Because Revelation chapter 4 is an invitation to look into heaven. And why would we want to look into a picture about heaven if we weren't going? Saints, you're going. No question about it. Uh, the 19th chapter. Watch this right here. Oh, and after this, I heard a voice. Excuse me, I heard the voice, the shouting of a vast crowd in heaven. Well, there ain't going to be but a few of us there. Where's this crowd coming from? <laughs> no, there's going to be a lot of us, praise the Lord. After this, I heard the shouting of a vast crowd in heaven. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Salvation is from our God. Honor and authority belong to him alone. Wow. Where's this great crowd coming from? Well, you know, you can read the book of Revelation in about an hour, but again, you, you'll find out that your Bible reading, uh, it just works this way, you will never have time to read the Bible. So you ought to be very suspicious about that. Why is it that I can't read my Bible? Well, I'll tell you what, there's some spiritual forces in play here, and you have to take time out to make yourself read the Bible. Because when you read the Bible, you're going to find out you are the most happiest person in the whole world. Uh, the 20th chapter, look at verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from what? From heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. Now where did that angel come from? 
from heaven. He didn't just appear, you know, because well, there's no such thing as heaven. Oh, no, there is a real place called heaven. Oh, let's see. Chapter 21 here. Oh, and look down here at uh, verse 1 and 2. Oops, here we go. And I saw a new heaven with no oceans and a new sky, for the present earth and sky had disappeared. And I saw the holy city. I remember this, the New Jerusalem. What's the dimensions? Remember that 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles wide? Look where it says it's coming from. Coming down from God out of heaven. And it was a glorious sight, beautiful as a bride at her wedding. Wow. I've got some real problems here with the Bible if heaven is not true because they sure are building a picture that that's where God is and that's where Jesus is right now. And then, of course, this heavenly Jerusalem is coming down. That reminds me of another great scripture. Oh, let's go to the book of Hebrews here. And uh, the book of Hebrews, let's go to chapter, chapter 12 here. Let me switch to the King James just a moment. And again, this is, it's so terrible to read about this if we can't go. I mean, I, I, I mean I'm ready to go home. If we're going to read about this and we can't go, I mean, Jesus, you're just cruel. No, he's not cruel. He told us about heaven because he made a way for us to be there. And he did not make this thing hard at all. Mm -mm. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, By grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You and I are going to go to heaven because it's a gift. Praise the Lord. Now, oh, here we are. Let's go back to, uh, well, we'll, we'll keep it at King James. He says, but you are, ye are, but you means you, you are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God. This is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Notice he didn't say you could come. No, he says you are come. This is technically where we are in Jesus Christ right now. And he says, unto the city of the living God. What? Look at that. The heavenly Jerusalem. And to an innumerable company of angels. Is it any wonder things work out for you and I? There's an uncountable amount of angels that are around you and I. Look, it doesn't quit. Look at 23. To the general assembly, it's just the body of Christ, and the church of the firstborn, which are, look at that phrase, written in heaven. Your name and my name, Dustin and Aaron, every one of us in this room, our names are written where? They're written in heaven. Look what he says, and to the, to the God, the judge of all, oh, that's what I'm scared of. Oh, no, I'm scared because one day I'm going to meet Jesus, and I'm going to get judged. Well, look at the rest of the sentence. And to the spirits of just men made perfect. Wow. Verse 24, and Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and the blood of sprinkling, which speaks better things than that of Abel. What's the blood about? Well, the blood is what's given you and I permission to be able to go there. Let's go next to, uh, oh, I want to go to, uh, oops, Pastor, 1 Corinthians here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's interesting here in uh, in First Corinthians 15, you've got um, uh, people that are just saying here in the 15th chapter, and Paul's having to write about it, and he's saying, "Hey, listen, if, if there's no resurrection, you know, uh, this is all hopeless." See, look at some of these words here. Look at verse 29. 
This is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 29. Else what shall we do uh, which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not? Why are, then, why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? Oh, let me put this in the Living Bible. Uh, in other words, Paul's saying, look, <laughs> I'm, being I'm being persecuted for teaching about Jesus. And um, oh, if there's no resurrection, I mean, what am I doing out here, you know? Uh, let's see. Uh, you know, look at this. He says in verse 14, if he is still dead talking about Jesus, then all our preaching is useless. And your trust in God is empty and worthless and hopeless. And we apostles are all liars because we said God raised Christ from the grave. And of course, that isn't true if the dead don't come back to life. And if they don't, then Christ is still dead, verse 16. And uh, you are foolish to keep on trusting God to save you, and you are still under condemnation for your sins. But guess what? We're not under condemnation for our sins because Jesus is resurrected. He's alive. Now notice verse 19. And if being a Christian is a, is a value to us only in this life, what kind of phrase is that? Because see, once you're dead, you're dead. No, uh-uh. When we pass out of this life, there's another life. We're going to heaven. Notice how he says it. If being a Christian is, is a value to us only now in this life, we are the most miserable of creatures. Well, you and I can make ourselves miserable as Christians thinking that, well, I wasn't as good as I should have been last week, and I don't know if God still wants to take me to heaven. Oh, you will make yourself miserable. And that's by design, not by the Lord, but by design because the devil doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be miserable. But anyway, uh, let's scroll down here. Uh, to another part I want us to look at right here. Uh, look at verse 32. So what value is there in fighting wild beasts? Those men of Ephesus, if it was only what I gain in this life down here, if we will never live again after we die, then we might as well uh, go and have ourselves a good time. Look, what, this is what St. Paul said. We might as well just eat, drink, and be free. What's the difference? Because tomorrow we die, and that ends everything. Nope, not for us. Praise the Lord. He says in verse 33, don't be fooled by those who say such things. If you listen to them, uh, you'll start acting like them. He says, get some sense and quit your sinning. You need to restart. Notice he says in verse 35, someone will ask you, yeah, but how will the dead be brought back to life again? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. You will find the answers in your own garden. When you put a seed in the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And when the green shoot comes out of the ground, it's very different from the seeds you, plant, you first planted. Uh, for all you put in the garden was a dry little seed of wheat, and whatever it is you are planting. Then God gives it a beautiful new body, just the kind he wants it to have. A different kind of plant grows from each kind of seed. And just as there are different kinds of seeds and plants, so also are there different kinds of flesh, human, animals, fish, birds, whatever. The angels in heaven uh, have different bodies far from ours. Uh, let me scroll down here and get to, uh, look at verse 45. The scripture tells us that the first man, Adam, was given a natural human body. But Christ is more than that, for he was a life-giving spirit. First, then we have these human bodies. Later on, it gives us a spiritual, notice the phrase, a heavenly body. Look at Adam was made from the dust of the earth, but Christ came what? From heaven above. And this goes on and on, speaking about this, about heaven. Oh, 
Let me go back here to the King James just for a moment. I want us to go to uh, the latter part of this right here. Watch this. Verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised. This is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and will be changed. This corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Now again, of course, this is only written for the very best of those in church. And of course, well, our group tonight, or, I mean, our group today, you know, probably just about 10% of us, so maybe one of us will make it. That is so ridiculous. This was not even, this was sent to an entire church. Everybody at the Corinthian church was supposed to calm down and know that, you know, one day I will be changed in a twinkling of an eye. Let me show you this. We need to close here, but I want to, I want to go over here to this other verse in First uh, uh, Thessalonians. Let's see what I got. First Thessalonians, yeah. First Thessalonians 4. We're going to make it. I mean, Jesus is who made a way for us. Oh, let's see. Chapter 4. Here we go. Okay. Oh, let's start here. Verse 13. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those which are asleep. Let's switch this to the living Bible. Hang on one second. Now, verse 13. Get more in some Alabama language for us here. Here we go. And now, dear, brethren, dear brothers, I want you to know what happens to a Christian when he dies. So that when it happens, you will not be full of sorrow. Hey, what does happen when we die? As for those, uh, as, uh, those uh, who have no hope. In other words, people who don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, yeah, they're going to be miserable. But verse 14 for us. For since we believe that Jesus died and came back to life again, we can also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him all the Christians who have died. Praise the Lord. Wow. I can tell you this directly from the Lord that we who are still living when the Lord returns will not rise to meet him ahead of those who are in their grave. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a mighty shout and with a soul-stirring cry of the archangel and the great trumpet call of God. And the believers who are dead will be, will, will be the first to rise to meet, to do what? Look, to meet him, to meet the Lord. And then we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with him forever. That's what he says in verse 18. Now, this was a letter written to a church. It only had five chapters. It would probably take ten minutes to read this story. Verse 18. Comfort and encourage each other with these moves. What do we do? We scare the daylights out of each other. I mean, you can do it by yourself. Oh, I'm going to make it I don't know. I don't know. I'm just really scared. Let's close with this last thing. Saints, just like healing, you cannot earn your healing. It's a gift from God. Salvation is a gift from God. They that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. And in 1 John chapter 1, uh, excuse me, 1 John chapter 4, and if we look down here at, uh, well, my mouth calmed down here. Uh, here we go. First John chapter four. Uh, start here at verse ten. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
That means the sacrifice. I didn't have to beg God to die for my sins. He did it for me. Let's switch this to the, the living Bible here just a moment. Oh, that's verse 11. Let's go ahead and verse 11. So we put ourselves under so much condemnation, like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm so scared. God's mad at me. Well, you didn't get that from reading the Bible. You got that on your own. If you read 1 John chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, you would run across this. I mean, 1 John is not designed to scare you. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the book of Acts is not designed to scare you. It's, it's designed to tell you that there is a way for all of us to be in heaven. Praise the Lord. Anyway, 1 John chapter 4, look at verse 10. In this act, we see what real love is. It's not our love for God, but his love for us. When he sent his, when he sent his son to satisfy God's anger against our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us so much as that, we should surely ought to love one another too. Verse 12, for though we have not seen God, we love each other. Oh, oh excuse me. For though we have not seen, excuse me, for yet, well, i got to read it. Here we go. For though we have never yet seen God. There we go. When we love each other, God lives in us, and his love within us grows ever stronger. And he's put his Holy Spirit within our hearts as proof to us that we are living with him, and he's in us. Oh, let me switch one more time. I've got to show you something else here. Oh. Now, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. I'm still reading First John chapter 4, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness, look at this, in the day of judgment. Now, I tell you what, I mean... If it weren't for what I believe about Jesus, I would have no boldness in the day of judgment because I'm pretty scared about that. But now, wait a minute. He just got through telling us that God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God. And so he tells us here, herein is our love made perfect. In other words, we have just, we believe this. That's the reason he says we'll have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, there's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. In other words, you're scared to meet Jesus because you don't think he's going to take care of you like he promised. Well, the book of Jude, the very last verse, answers all this for us. Look at this. I'm going to stop right here, I promise. Oh. Jude, this is right before Revelation. You couldn't miss this. Jude is only one chapter. Verse 24, now unto him that's able to keep you from falling, look at this, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He didn't say, well, he has the ability to, but he's not going to do it. No, he's saying this is what he's doing. You and I, if we pass out of this life, like, like Paul said, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul even went to say, he says, uh, to depart and to be with, with Christ, which is far better. And Paul already claimed that he was the worst sinner there ever was. If he says, well, I go to be with Christ, it's going to be far better. He's not planning on being tormented in punishment because of Jesus' judgment against him. No, all our judgment has been removed from us. We are going to heaven. It is a free gift. And I'm going to read that verse one more time, but let's look at it in the, in the Living Bible here. Uh, verse 24. See what it says. And now all the glory to him who alone 
is God, who saves us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yes, splendor and majesty. All power and authority are His from the beginning. His they are, and His they evermore shall be. And He, look at this, and He is able to keep you from slipping and falling away. Look at this, and bring you sinless and perfect into His glorious presence with mighty shouts of everlasting joy. It's our fault to not be happy when we walk out these doors because we're not believing the Bible. Jesus is the only one that's going to make you look spotless. And he has. Jesus is going to make you look sinless when you stand before him in heaven one day. Praise God! What a deal! Now can you understand why we get so beat down? Because, see, we have a message to tell other people. And as long as we can keep self-inflicting punishment, like Jesus is so mad at me for losing my temper the other day, he's so mad at me for this, and I don't even think I'm going to heaven. Well, then I'm not about to tell anybody about this free gift. I mean, because I don't think it's free. I'm trying to earn it. Look at it one more time. And he is able to keep you from slipping and falling away and bring you sinless and perfect into his glorious presence with mighty shouts of everlasting joy. Amen. And then that guy signs his name. That was an actual fellow, Jew. Wow. <clears throat> he was the Lord's half-brother. He must have known something, didn't he? Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you. By your stripes, we're healed. You take care of us if we're hurting in our bodies. And Lord, you'll also take care of us financially if we're hurting. We're hurting anywhere financially. Lord, you'll just fix it. Praise the Lord. If there's any other problem we might have, you know you'll fix that too. That's what you promised you said you'd do. So we roll every care, every burden we've got over on you. Get us out of trouble and fix everything you broke, whatever it is. Lord, that doesn't leave anything left but for us to go tell others what great things you're doing for us and to tell others about Jesus. And that's what we're going to do. For some Jesus' name we pray. Amen.